Welcome to the Matt Report, a podcast for building businesses with WordPress. Subscribe to the Matt Report at mattreport.com forward slash subscribe. And now your host, Matt. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Report, uh, season three, episode three with Chris Lemma. Uh, he's I just recently talked to Brad Williams from three years from his episode three years ago. Now I'm talking to Chris, uh, which uh, I also coincidentally talked to about three years ago, at least on this podcast. And uh, today is kind of giving us a recap of where he's at. He is uh, no longer part of the crowd favorite uh, agency. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what his new uh, adventures are in the WordPress space. And we're also going to talk about the WordPress freelancer, right? Understanding what it's like to be a freelancer and making the comparisons of a freelancer of three years ago to where they might be at today, uh, where you might be at in your own business uh, in the WordPress world. Uh, And he's going to kind of draw those comparisons up for us and and sort of talk about that. So definitely a great, uh, great interview. And again, of course, Chris is well known in the WordPress space. So he's going to share some information on what he's got working on or what he's working on next, which is uh, going to be real fun and real interesting to see unfold. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, we'd love a five-star review in iTunes. Head on over to iTunes, uh, search for us there on Matt Report, and give us a five-star review. If you like the show, we're trying to get to 100 five-star reviews by the end of the year. I think we're at 80 right now. So if we could push that to the uh, to the edge, that'd be great. This is one of the last episodes before we begin the new podcast as well. Plugged in radio, that'll be airing really soon. So this will be, by the time you hear the next episode of The Matt Report, Plugged in radio will be in full swing with episode number one. So if you want to uh, jump on the newsletter, the announcement list for that, head on over to pluggedinradio.com, sign up in the little email box there, and you'll be one of the first few folks to know when that uh, goes live. And in fact, I actually secured my first sponsor uh, for the month of Plugged In Radio, and that's going to be Restrict Content Pro by Pippin's Plugins. It's a great new, uh, well, I shouldn't say new, it's a relaunch of a well-known membership plugin for WordPress, and those folks were very kind to support us for the first month of Plugged In Radio. Uh, So check it out. Uh, check out both uh, Restrict Content Pro and Plugged In Radio. Let's dive into the the conversation with Chris Lemmon. What you do in the WordPress space. Um, I help predominantly product companies make more money, get more traction. Uh, I help them think through their product strategies and help them navigate the WordPress ecosystem. Um, beyond that, I write a blog and I've spun up a couple more. Uh, so turns out this blog thing is, is, uh, sticking around and, and, uh, I do that. And I, uh, I do some, some private coaching and consulting, uh, with a com- variety of companies at a bunch of different levels to, uh, to help them kind of run their business. So I'm, I'm that guy. You're that guy. <laughs> you are that guy. Uh, in episode 41, we talked about how to become a great WordPress freelancer, right? I think back then, might be fair to say that that was the high point. A few years ago, that was the high point on everybody diving into becoming a freelancer. I'm going to... I'm going to spearhead this WordPress thing head on, or at least from my perspective, I saw a lot of folks doing that. And two, three years into it now, I see a lot of those folks have sort of maybe given up on the cause or... Real estate agents. Yeah, and, now they're uh, real estate you know, agents. Doing other things, right? <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah, what, what, what is it 
what is the un- is it the unknown of running a business that is the particular challenge to most folks like they see look how easy this technology thing is i think i can resell this for 40 percent margin and then they right. get into it and they're like oh shit this is a lot harder than i thought it was um sort of throwing this question so, right at you but what do you yeah. think that is so i I've, I've spent the last uh six weeks on on vacation which is which is crazy to say um and uh, I spent a lot of time in the hot tub and smoking cigars. And I, I got on a call. I'm not joking. I got on a call two days ago. And he said, um, the guy said, uh, I like to surround myself with people who are doing really incredible things. And I thought, wow, that's like, I, I don't know if I'm getting pulled into the inner circle, but this is fantastic. And he said, and and I've watched you. And again, I'm thinking he's watched me start up companies and sell companies. He's watched me uh, run big, large companies. He's watched me step in. The, and he's like, and I have seen several weeks of photos of you sitting in a hot tub smoking a cigar. And I want what you have. Like, how do I get that? And I'm like, yeah, that is what we do, right? right. We, look, <laughs> we look at the you know, at the one tiny snapshot and we go, I want that. Right. And, um, as you know, right, the only way that I can currently live off, uh, revenue from chrissummer.com is because of the five years of work that went into chrissummer.com. Right. Not, not like last week I spun up like two weeks ago, I spun up a new blog and that's not generating a penny and it, it won't generate a penny forever. Like, it's just like, you put in a whole bunch, there's a grind, there is a process, and I think what happens is, like, and I, I mentioned real estate before, but real estate has this ridiculously high attrition, right? To If a person steps in to be a realtor, uh, and that's a NAR term, that's a National Association of Realtors, they, they've coined this term and said, we're the ones that get to define if someone's a realtor, right? And so they go through a process, and they become a realtor, and the attrition on a yearly basis is something like 30%. Right. I mean, it's massively high because everybody sees the the pinnacle, the highlight, the I just sold a multimillion dollar house and my, you know, three percent or four percent commission is this much. And I drive a BMW, which, by the way, they leased and, you know, uh, they're in a big house, but it's because their spouse, you know, works at a big corporate gig, you know, and you just get this little snapshot and you think I want to be a WordPress freelancer. Right. Um, I I often recommend that people have a conversation with my friend Steve Zengit, who's here in Southern California and runs a company called Zeke. Zeke just celebrated, I think, 20 or 21 years in business, right? And if you ask Steve, like, okay, so you've been doing like WordPress or mobile development for like 21 years. He's like, nope, nope. Initially, it was uh, Shockwave Games and it was in the little banner ads, right? The game was in the ad on the top of the browser. And then it was... Uh, movie studio websites with Flash games, and then it was uh, just Flash apps, and then it was WordPress apps, and then it was mobile apps. And here's the reality, right? You want to grind it out, run your own business, and and do stuff. It's going to mean constant evolution of the business dynamics of your own professional skills. It's gonna it's gonna require a lot of work, and so. I think what we see is, and I think you were right, there, there was a lot of people that jumped in commercially about five or six years ago, um, uh, even some seven, though those are the real uh, old old companies that we know of. Um, but there's a bunch of commercial ones that jumped in, say, five years ago, and then a bunch of freelancers that jumped in about two years ago, and and you see this kind of wave of, of momentum, and then you watch 
all the attrition, right? The people that, that just kind of fall off and go, this got hard. Suddenly there's competition. I don't know how to differentiate myself. I've, I've sold all the websites I can to all my mom's friends. And now I have to do something like for real, or I've lost too much money on this thing, right? Like every time I bid a job, I keep losing money and I keep thinking I'm getting better or I'm raising my rates and raising my rates. And guess what? I just raised my rates into the realm of a competitor be that is so much better than me that I will lose all those jobs because I raised my rates to the point where now someone says, well, if I'm gonna pay that much, I might as well hire those guys, not you. Um, so I think there's a lot of different factors that go into it, but at the core of it, I think we all watch people's highlight reels and we go, I want that. I want that life. And we don't know the backstory. Right. You know, I think nope. folks can listen to, you know, this podcast, listen to the advice that you put out, listen to the advice that our good friend Troy Dean puts out. And at the end of the day, it's still one of those like 80, 20 rules that kicks in where Sure, you can get all this great sort of pre-sales advice and, you know, uh, how to scope a project perfectly, but folks have to realize that this stuff is always in motion. It's never just going to be take it off the shelf, reuse it in your business, and it's always going to be that one, two, three, that three-step process. Same thing with clients, right? We, we write and we talk about all the stuff about attracting the right clients and, and managing client expectations, but the client is always going to vary. And that's the dynamic that I think is the hardest part of this business that people just can't wrap their heads around um, or or deal with the fact that, you know what, yeah, not every situation is going to go perfect like you read on, you know, in that PDF or that you heard on the airwaves of this podcast. And you're going to deal with some of the cruff and it's going to be the customer that doesn't want to pay all that money right now. But you know what? You got bills to pay. You might have to suck it up take a little bit less and push forward and move on to the next client, right? Um, so I think there's that 20% that's always going to be so difficult that people just think that because they feel prepared, eh, it's not really going to happen, <laughs> right? Because clients, because clients, uh, or just random technology stuff uh, crops up. I think one of the things that happens is you listen to, you listen to an expert and let's just, let's just give, give them the credibility. Let's just assume for a brief moment that whoever is talking to you is an actual expert. Like let's, because we could get into all the people I think aren't experts. But this would be a very very long show. <laughs> um, so, so just imagine out in the whole world. I'm not talking about just in the WordPress ecosystem. I'm talking about everyone out there who is who is selling a training program, a curriculum, an educational, a podcast, a blog that's writing advice. Everyone, me, you, everyone. Let's assume that we're all experts. Okay. In order to develop that expertise, you have to have done it a whole bunch of times. What you don't realize out of that is assuming the best case scenario that someone is an expert, they also have picked up 20, 30, 40,000 lessons in the process that they don't realize they've picked up and they don't articulate. One of my closest friends, the, former, the, the current CEO, my former boss and the current CEO of Crowd Favorite, was asked at the at the I was just at the the business conference prestige in Minneapolis and he was asked this question and it was a it was a great question that people were you know like what do you do when the customer doesn't send the check in or whatever right it's a it's a it's a common question it's a common problem it's a great question and my friend Kareem was like well I think it kind of depends and he's he's hemming and hawing and he's trying to think through like what's the best way to answer this Partially because his clients are much bigger than the person 
who's asking the question, right? I get it. When he's done, I raise my hand. I'm like, I'd like to give you one of the tricks that Cream uses because I've sat in the room and I've watched him do it. And I explain, here's what he does, right? Because these big clients often have a second project they want in the wings or a third project. And I said, he doesn't move forward on project two or three. He waits and holds them up. And the moment I said, now that's not a, that's a no brainer, right? Like that's like no duh for me, you, for him. It's no duh, but it's so no duh, right? It is so obvious that it doesn't even come to Kareem's mind as a trick he uses, right? Because he's just like, well, well, that's just obvious, right? And here's the problem with experts. To an expert, they have attained a tremendous amount of what they consider to be obvious data, obvious tricks, obvious techniques that they don't always share because they don't come top of mind as, oh, here's this other thing. So even if I were to tell you everything I knew about building a SaaS or everything I knew about going up market or everything I knew about selling to the enterprise, even if I told you everything and I laid it out and I'm like, here's the 50 point plan, there'd be 200 other things I didn't list because they're no duh to me. They're just, they're just, well, yeah, like I just assumed that, right? And that is the hard part. When you're taking advice from someone else, you're getting you know, some of the best tips they have, but you're also not getting a tremendous amount of the exposure and experience that they actually do have, which is why mentoring, coming alongside, uh, interning are far more valuable ways to learn something than just the, I bought the course, I went through the six steps, I, I watched four videos, and I bought the ebook, right? Because it's only when you're literally working under someone, sitting there, interning or doing whatever, that you see all the little things that you don't catch in all that other expertise. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, no, that definitely does. Um, I actually even think that you bring up a good point. There's, there's all of these lessons that are along the way. And, um, you know, if we're giving advice to somebody, even if it's just like advice in passing at like a word camp or on a, in a Slack channel or whatever, um, I think that's those same lessons that you've learned are, are hard for us as the expert, no matter what level of client you're servicing and how many lessons you've learned throughout your journey. Uh, even that is hard for us to convey to the customer, right? So in, in my world, I know sort of one of the things I'm always leading with when customers say, well, what's the difference between you and you know, XYZ agency? And I just say, look, our motive is to get, get this done for you. Right. Which is so and, and it's still something that I work on uh, crafting. Right. And and it's telling them, like, look, there are so many people that you're dealing with, especially if you're considering like a, a, a professional freelancer who might be, you know, living the dream, as they say, <laughs> um, you know, we are here to get it done. You have a goal. We are going to attack that goal and get that done for you. Because I know there are other agencies or freelancers that, hey, uh, you're just part of the, you're another cog in the wheel and we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get it done for you sometime, maybe past the deadline, maybe a little bit more money involved. Uh, whereas we're saying, no, at this price, we are going to get it done for you. Um, and even that is very difficult for me to convey. So, you know, the point of that sort of rant is even for us, right, as the, the people who deal with it and conveying it to clients, even that can be a challenge, right? Um, it's certainly not easy. What have you seen uh, at your time at CrowdFavor and even before that? Again, we talked two or actually three, I think three years ago at, on episode 41. Um, you know, does the small business client still exist, right? Do you think most consultants are dealing with sort of the, what I'll call, you know, 
five figure, maybe five thousand to ten thousand dollar range uh, for most freelancers today. Do you think that that's the majority, or do you think we're still sort of uh, muddling around with the five hundred dollar client nowadays? Well, I think I think the five hundred dollar and the one thousand dollar and the two thousand dollar clients still exist, and they're more than ever. But I also think I also think the five thousand and ten thousand dollar clients um, are there, and people are you know, some of them are slowly moving their way up there. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I got to work on clients that were, you know, $60,000, a hundred thousand dollar and $500,000 clients as well when I was a crowd favorite. And so you see, there's all different kinds of clients. What's really interesting is what goes into those projects. Right. Um, because, uh, as you move up market, the code becomes a smaller and smarter part smaller part of the deliverable, um, especially if you're building systems, right? If you're building a system, it's sitting on top of WordPress. The amount of calls, meetings, requirements, every, I mean, all of that stuff just becomes, and the testing on the other end becomes so huge and critical that the actual writing of the code is a smaller portion. Whereas when you go down market, there's a lot less requirement, a lot less uh, testing and it's just let's just write the code. So the code has, uh, yeah, I, I think in general, and this is a- across the globe and not related just to WordPress, but code continues to become commoditized more and more. Um, and so the differentiator among players, I think, is still a function of how well can you come alongside a business and help a business, rather than just how well can you string together uh, HTML uh, components. But um, I think I think there's still a whole lot of people that are looking for. Uh, low price services. I think there's a lot of people that want one-off services, meaning um, fix this one thing, fix this other thing. So I recommend Codable a lot uh, for people who call me and say, Chris, I want your help on something. And I'm like, no, you really don't. You know, here's here's my rate. It's very expensive and you can do this at Codable. And they go to Codable and they use it and they hire someone and they get the thing fixed and they're done and they pay. And then they send me a note saying, oh my God, you were so right. They're so good. And I got exactly what I wanted done. And, you know, how do I thank you? I'm like, you, you don't, you're good. Just go on, right. move on. You're like, you're like yeah, just yeah. have fun. <laughs> yeah. um, so so I think Codable and others, you know, who are, who are playing in that space are definitely uh, competing more to deliver that kind of one-off value and to deliver the small projects that right. previously... Uh, some of some of the freelancers we know used to do. I think some of those freelancers are starting to move up market. But what you discover is when you move up market, everything changes, right? The length of the sale grows, and the cost of the sale grows, and the timelines don't, right? Client still wants it fast, um, but the kind of support on the back end changes, and the time it takes to get payment changes, right? I mean, even if you're doing a ten thousand dollar project. You might get the first two thousand up front, but getting the you know the miles, the mid mid project payment may take an extra you know month or two, even though you finish the code, and then and then getting the final payment may take you uh, a while. And and that if you're going up market, you kind of have to be prepared for a different set of life cycles, a different set of timelines for collecting money, and that that can be hard for some folks. Yeah, and that, I'm glad we're actually 
that you went into that because um, this episode will air after the episode that uh, fingers crossed goes out today <laughs> or at the very least tomorrow, uh, which is with Brad Williams of WebDev. And we and again, his timeline from the last time he was on the show was three years. And back then he didn't have Discovery and Microsoft and all these you know big clients. So getting the insights to the dealing with these executives and these corporate level uh, customers or contacts there's a big eye opener to him, right? And how he ran the business and what his expectations were. I know for me, once we started getting into sort of, you know, enterprise-ish space or bigger customer space, the payment thing was a, was a big eye opener. It's like, yes, we secured a $50,000 project. Oh, wait, we're not getting paid on that until 90 days from now? <laughs> like, what? 90 days of your life, right? <laughs> right. If, so then if, you're, like, you're like, wait, I did all the work and I still haven't gotten a single penny. How is this better? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, but some of the stuff we talked about in that episode was it's, it's great for a, if you're a freelancer or a boutique agency and you and you are looking for growth because not everybody is not everybody is. Every, some people are just they're happy with what they're doing. Um, but if you are looking for that growth, if you don't push into these areas that one, you're afraid of two, a little uncomfortable with, yeah, you're never really going to grow like the customer isn't just going to be a perfect, you know, walk in the park, land a hundred thousand dollar check on your lap. Um one thing that I find interesting, though, I just want to finish up on the on the small business price point expectation. And I had this discussion with Mike McAllister of Array. Uh, we, we alluded to it a little bit. Is I think that freelancers, folks in our space, can actually spend just a thousand bucks on software, right, for getting a small business site up and running. If you just looked at buying a premium theme, let's say 79 bucks, let's say you buy Optin Monster for 200 bucks. Uh, affiliate WP or some easy digital download extensions to put together your typical marketing digital marketing site you're almost at a thousand bucks just in some software before the consultation right before as the freelancer you actually consult on putting this all together and making it work for your customer um, is this a good thing for sort of WordPress products and product price points like now we can actually collectively build an entire site for a few thousand dollars and just plugins before we get to consulting. Is that good or bad? Do you have any thoughts on that sort of subject? I do. I do. So first of all, if you're a freelancer listening, I would say make sure your client buys those licenses and not yes. you. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. So I, I, I just I keep repeating that because when the client has a problem, I have a client that I just I built a website uh, a few months ago. We launched it. And then two weeks ago, they had some sort of issue. Right. And so they sent me an email and I don't have a support contract with them. And they're great. They're like friends of mine, but they, it was a real job with a real scope and a real budget and a good budget. And, um, and yet the project's done. Right. And so I get the, I get the email says, Hey, this happened. Da, da. And I said, this is exactly why you have WP engine. Cause you can call them. And this is exactly why you have your own account with Ninja forms because you can reach out to them. And I got an email two days ago that said, Hey, by the way, I reached out to both of them. They totally took care of everything. That was awesome. Right. And you go, yes, this is because they have their own relationship with the vendors. I'm not in the middle. Right. And I know a lot of freelancers, when they get started, put themselves in the middle to get that extra two dollars or the extra five dollars, the extra hundred dollars. And you don't realize the down downstream consequences of being in the middle until it's far too late. So for just small caveat. Right. Just let's just make sure your client has their own relationship with the vendors for their own products so that you can move on in life and not have to manage that for the rest of your days. Absolutely. Now that said, it always amuses me 
when we talk about products and pricing, that the answer, the, the right answer, the model has been sitting in front of us since we started working with WordPress, and yet everybody has tried other things. I fundamentally believe that if you're going to build a product that has a variety of price points and you're tapping into different features at different prices, right? So whether you're talking about Optin Monster, you're talking about Ninja Forms, you're about whatever, and you're, you're assigning your price based on the features, that you're going to end up having this kind of regular anguish by, by prospective customers who are trying to figure out, well, which feature do I need and will I need that? And that's how you end up with all those prices of all those sites and all the, all the stuff. I think the reality is the commercial ecosystem could grow significantly if we made the distinction between is your website a commercial entity or is your website non-commercial? And this has been sitting in the same way that I talk about. I think most plugins should think about SaaS. Um, Akismet has been doing this since we started, right? And they're like, well, here's here's how we price it if you're non-commercial. And you can even like at one point I think you pick your own price. Whatever. But if you're commercial, you pay. Like if you make money off your website, you pay. That's the way it goes. That's that, right? Um, and I think the reality is the people who are building commercial sites and the people who are who are site owners of commercial sites should be prepared to pay that. And and I would imagine that they should be prepared to pay just in solutions, tools, what have you, um, $1,500 to $2,500 a year, right? When you add all the plugin license and that they own and you add uh, hosting. Um, and if you ask any business owner, right, any business owner of any physical reality business, like physical, like I ship boxes or I have a retail <laughs> store, uh, even a caterer who works out of their own kitchen, and you said, could you run your business off $2,500 a year? They look at you and be like, are you crazy? Right. Like you're insane, right? And yet, for some reason, these same commercial entities come online and we all act like, well, I don't want to. I don't want to have to build like the, the number of people who are like WooCommerce extensions are expensive and I don't want our customers to have to pay this. And you're like, then maybe they shouldn't have a store, right? Like at the core of it, I don't know any like I've built sites for churches that spend thirty five thousand dollars on a website, right? Just because they're like, listen, the core value proposition of what we're doing requires that we have streaming video every week. So I need the infrastructure to support that. Well, you'll need X, Y, Z. They're like, great. Whatever. Like. This is what I do. This is what I must do. Um, serious businesses understand that. So when you're working with serious commercial objectives and, and a commercial website, should they pay $1,000 a year just in plug-in fees? Yes, they should. I totally believe they should. Um, if they are a non-commercial entity, I can understand why they may want to limit their exposure and cost because they don't know if they'll make any money. Right. right. Um, and and that's where you start looking at alternatives. Like, again, Ninja Forms is free. Gravity Forms isn't. If it does what you want it to do, maybe you start there. WP Forms, uh, a recent release from from my friend Syed Balki, um, has a lower price point to start. And so you start going, are are these the ones you want? And then as you grow up, are you ready to spend some more money? And I think that's that's legit. But I think fundamentally, the fact that someone can build a site, uh, getting back to the core of your question, fundamentally, the fact that someone can build a site today using a series of plugins that do have a cost, I think is still a good thing. It's what keeps those entities, those companies around, right? Um, I would hate it. 
and 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 you know my friend Syed um, from WP Beginner and from Optin Monster. If there was no money to be made out of out of this ecosystem, he'd just go make money somewhere else. He already makes money other places, right? He'd just go somewhere else. So the the ecosystem benefits from the fact that there's enough here that keeps him somewhat engaged so that he's like, well, a few of my companies can be in the WordPress space. Um, so I think it's good. It's good for the overall ecosystem that people can buy these things. But I also think we need to make a stronger distinction between non-commercial and commercial sites and really have the expectation that commercial sites can and should spend 15 to 2,500, you know, 15 to 2,500 a year on their uh, plugins and, and, uh, and hosting. And if they did, the commercial space for plugins, if they did that, the commercial space for plugins, the GDP of WordPress plugins, just for the commercial entities alone, would probably get three quarters of the way to a billion dollars a year in, in revenue. And and the company the companies we know are not making that, right? The, if you take all the sum of the companies making commercial plugins, they're not they're not generating seven hundred and fifty million dollars out of the space, but they should be. Right. One, so let, let me, I totally agree, right? Agree on all the points. Uh, I think one thing, especially from the perspective that I see from offering the typical freemium model with our themes is, hey, download it for free. If you upgrade to pro, not only do you get our support and immediate updates, but you also get these extra features um, on the theme side. And not often, but the the particular worry for me would be, Let's say I offered all of my pro themes for free, except for commercial use. How do I draw the line? How does a WordPress product owner draw the line between support and it's time to pay, <laughs> right, for this kind of thing? Because I don't get it often, but you know, every now and again, the customer will dangle the whole like, if you answer this question for me, I'll upgrade, <laughs> right? Like, yes, I know what that means, right? You will not upgrade. You just want this question answered for you. Um, so any thoughts on, on how the WordPress product owner would position him or herself to say, okay, I'll give everything for free. And if you're a commercial, tell me you're commercial and buy this license. Any thoughts? Well, on that? this is this is where I also think the, the commercial side goes along with the SaaS side, right? Because ah, okay. if the SaaS side is there then you have this potential. And I know I'm, I'm speaking about a world that doesn't exist, so I, I get that. But it has existed in the form of a kismet this whole time, right? It's been there the whole time. Um, but I think when you, when you have the ability to turn off a product remotely, like, hello, sir, I just discovered that you <laughs> are commercial. There are PayPal links all over your site. There are, you know, WooCommerce checkout is installed and active. Uh, I want to send you this bill, and if you if you don't pay this bill, I I'm more than happy to turn your features off, right? Um, and that sounds draconian, it sounds horrible, and whatever. But the reality is, um, this is the nature of like if you don't pay the bill, you don't you don't get the product, right? So right. Um, I understand the notion of open source. I understand the notion to freely distribute. I understand all that. But in my business, uh, if I'm building out a product in this space. I want to charge commercial, not commercial, and one of the ways I can test that is I can regularly build the little the spiders, the monitors to check for commercial activity, and then I can decide to say pay up or it's it's time to turn this off, right? Sure. So I think you'd have to do something in the realm of SaaS to really have more control because if you're doing distributed packages of software where they just pull it down and they can do whatever they want, and you're like, no, please 
really please can you pretty <laughs> please pay me like i i that that's just foolish right so i understand please that's not yeah yeah please, please yeah. donate there's a link please click it right uh, <laughs> but, um, but we've built an entire ecosystem around the ease to step into it right and so the ease of stepping in is the ease of building a simple plugin a little plugin uh, something that doesn't do much and i think everyone should start there but i think if you're going to make real money i think you really ought to look at SaaS as a model that allows you to have a better understanding of what's going on and better control over making sure that you're getting paid by the right people yeah yeah for sure um <clears throat> you know and just a side note that i wanted to add in there uh just from like a ripple effect of, of things that I can see happening is even folks like Pippin who recently introduced, um, I can't remember that. I think it's just called recurring payments for easy digital downloads. Uh, even those little, what I'll call innovations is will actually dramatically may potentially help the WordPress product space, right? Because now people will be accustomed to, because so many of us will be implementing recurring payments with our products. People, customers will now sort of get this, get into this uh, rhythm uh, or consistency of, oh, I, I guess I have to pay annually for this, right? Because it's just, now there's this thing that automatically builds me and it's just there instead of pl us pleading, please upgrade. You know, you have 30 days to, to renew your license. You have 15 days left to renew your license. So I think by innovating on these, these systems that we use to sell products, man, we're going to start to see in a year's time from now that customers are just accustomed to paying for the, for the year, which is, I think, a good thing. Yeah. So if you try and buy a WooCommerce extension right now, Automatic has already turned on the, um, please give us your credit card, and this is an annual fee. Like they're they're in the subscription model business already right now with the Woo Themes extensions for WooCommerce. Um, so I think people are moving that way. Pippin has obviously made it available for people who are building their own version of a you know a, a solution to sell software. Um, I think the thing is about you know getting those payments. And, and getting customers ready to pay is that, and, and I, I, you know, I'm opinionated, so we'll just start with that. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah. Most WordPress product companies suck at marketing. So because they suck at marketing, here's the way the email flow goes. On day one, you get five emails, right? PayPal sends you an email saying, thank you for this payment. I send you a receipt that says, uh, thank you for this payment. I send you a welcome email from the CEO saying, hi, I'm the CEO, and I seriously wrote this handwritten note just for you, <laughs> which isn't true, but I just want to let you know I'm here in case you need me. Then I get another email that says, here's your details and the license key, whatever. So all of a sudden, on day one, I get flooded with like four or five emails. Day three, I get an email that says, hope you're doing well. Uh, here's our support channel and our support way to get if you have any questions. Day seven or day 14, I get an email that says, come rate us on whatever infrastructure I want a rating on, right? Whether it's the repo or anything else. And that's the end of day seven. And then on day 330, I get an email that says, hey, your license is about to expire in 30 days, right? And you're like, seriously? Right. Like, I haven't thought about you for a year. Right. You've, you've potentially added no value to my life over a year. Your email basically just says, hey, thanks for buying at the front end. And at the end, it says, hey, come buy again. And that's it. That's the extent of the relationship we have with customers. And so we're shocked when customers are like, nah, 
I haven't used your support all year. Why would I sign up for another year of support? Well, but without this, you won't get support. Yeah, guess what? Wasn't getting a lot of support, right? Wasn't asking for it. Wasn't getting it. I'm not mad at you, but hey, I'm not sure I need it, right? Well, but you need to be able to update your software. All right. Well, if it turns out I need to, I'll renew then. Like when I have a need, not when you have a need for my money, right? And so in the end, that is not a subscription problem. That is not a technology problem. That is not a business model problem. That is a fundamental client communication, relationship management, marketing problem. And if you don't, if, if your whole staff, if your team of product people are all engineers, they're going to do all the work they can to figure out how to do drip email send offs, but they'll never ask themselves the question, what should go out to my customers? And what should I pay attention to? And again, this is one of the benefits of SaaS. Most of the products I've ever spent you know, building have all had that ability to introspect the system over time and see the ways we've added value. And when you can find out how your product has added value to an organization, you can just circle back and tell them, like, hey, this month we caught these errors and this is what we did to fix them for you automatically without you knowing. Or, hey, this month we noticed you sent this many emails. We're so glad that we were able to support you with this, right? Some way to keep communicating value so that when it comes time to renew, people are like, uh, yeah, of course, I must do this. Like, I want to do this. I am excited to do this. Can I renew early? Not just, oh, huh, I forgot I even had you or I forgot I bought you. Thanks for that email, right? Um, that's a marketing problem. And yeah. that's a problem most companies have. Right. No, I totally agree. And and that's not even for products. That's for, for services, too. And, and, you know, raise my hand. I'm, I'm guilty of that myself. I mean, we have we've been in business for eight years and there are plenty of sort of the small business websites that we built seven six seven eight years ago which circling back to now i mean well i mean well beyond ready to reinvest in in refreshing refreshing their websites or adding new technologies marketing automation which didn't even exist back then that exists now that we can incorporate into their websites or maybe they've elevated their business and now they want to move into e-commerce and we can resell to them um so awesome advice for product and service um i feel um it's also turning your customers into advocates. And I was, yep. I, I forget what podcast I was listening to, what piece of software, uh, but somebody said that when they launched their version, new version of the software, uh, what they did is they included a, you know, a great feedback system to get features built into the product. And they, they had, they had a, a PR problem. People thought that the, the software was too clunky, clunky, it was too slow, it, it just wasn't good. And then they started taking customer input and they started shipping features that a majority of customers wanted. And then the community at large, this wasn't a WordPress product, but the community at large started defending the software and the features because they felt that they were invested in the production of this, right? So they were no longer this nameless company with some developers in a room building this stuff and telling people what to do. They were accepting the information, the input. They were building what people wanted and now people supported it and even defended it because they yep. felt like they had some skin in the game. Like, that's my feature. Yep. Like, I wanted yep. that feature. How dare you say that feature sucks? <laughs> you know, when, I joined, when I joined Emphasis, which was nine and a half years ago, um, almost 10 years ago, uh, it's an it was an enterprise software, right, for a particular vertical market in housing. And uh, some, of the, some of the customers, which are cities and uh, city governments and county governments, they had created their own user group 
that they had created so they could complain and fight with the company, right? Like we're going to gather everybody's advice and, and we're going to get their feedback and then we're going to send it to you and sh- kind of shove it down your throats because you're not listening to the customer. And I came on board right after the CEO had started building some bridges and relationships with them. And by the time I was you know, heavily involved, we were running user conferences. We'd have four or 500 people that were users from all the different clients come to you know, a location once a year to, to have an event. But at the event, we would do the whole process of picking the new product advisory board, right? The new advisory board with people from the community, right? That would help shape the priorities. And I, as a, as a product manager, right? I would help say here, here's all the things we could do this year. Which ones are the most important to you? And this team of like eight people would go and prioritize and pick which were the eight they thought were the most important. And then we would announce at the conference, our roadmap for the next year is gonna be these five things, right? And people would grumble, except they wouldn't grumble to me anymore. They wouldn't grumble to the CEO anymore. They'd grumble to the product advisory group who were their peers and their peers would defend it. Their peers would say, yes, I understand what you're saying, but you're in the 1% or you're in the 5%. We're trying to solve the majority of the problem or we're trying to solve this or this is a bigger priority given uh, you know, impending legislation. And so in the end, we didn't have that fight anymore. We had onboarded that support and got them to be ambassadors of the product. Um, this is where you see companies like uh, Rainmaker, right? C- copy blogger, Rainmaker Digital, they built the Rainmaker platform, but in the platform, they allow customers to become advocates by having their own affiliate link, right? And so you're like, oh no, this is, this is a product that I am putting out to people. But what, what does that naturally do? If you've turned your customers into ambassadors, you've also turned your customers into people who really give you feedback because they don't want to get embarrassed in front of their friends. So some of the best feedback that Rainmaker Digital gets is from their own customers, not from the prospects that want to buy, but from people inside going, this this is harder than I want it to be, and I don't want to bring my friends over to this and have them go through this problem. And so you get the good feedback, you get a loop there, but you also get them to be ambassadors. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's awesome stuff. Uh, I want to shift gears now, and I want to <laughs> I want you to give me sort of your rapid fire approach on how you've launched your new blog and your new concept. Like, let me know what it was like to, hey, did the name just come to your head and you were like, boom, this is what I'm going to do. This is the perfect name. And then tell me what it's like to be Chris Lemon, sit down and go, all right, how do I build this website? Which theme do I use? Which plugin am I going to use? Like, give me that one, two, three combo of how you sat down and conceptualized all this to launch. So, um, first of all, I think you know me by now. So, <laughs> so uh, I bought the domain maybe a year and a half ago. So I don't do anything spur of the moment. Um, bought the domain, had the domain, played with it, even wrote out the the spec of what it would be, um, and worked with the Borns uh, at Born Creative to create uh, a kind of the sample site, and then pulled it back and said it's not ready yet. I'm not ready to, to launch this yet because I got really heavy into other work and I just knew I didn't have the, the time to do it. Um, but it all comes out of a conversation that I had with my friend Syed Balki at, at Cabo Press, I think the first year, so uh, a couple years ago. Um, and uh, and he said, you know, I love what you're bringing to the WordPress ecosystem. I love that you're involved in the WordPress ecosystem. But 
all of your leadership and management stuff, all the coaching of teams and building up of teams and all the stuff you've done in leadership. And, and if you didn't know, I have a master's degree in leadership specifically, right? Which, um, means I've also read a ridiculous amount of research and I've written like ridiculous amounts of papers on the stuff. He's like, all of that stuff that we talk about when Syed and I are talking about his company or his other things, or we talk with other companies about, that's not really a WordPress thing. Like you should do that outside. Like you could do all of that outside of WordPress and, and, and drive it up. And I said, you're right. I should think about that. But I brought you here to challenge <laughs> other people. I didn't here to challenge me, right? But that is the nature of having really good friends is you have people who will um, step up to you and say, yeah, you're kind of coasting. Right. When are you going to do big things, important things? I have another group of friends I meet with once a year and have for 25 years. And uh, and we met just two or three months ago. We met while Pressnomics was happening, which is why I couldn't make this last year's Pressnomics. We meet once a year, every year. And seven years ago, they were like, what are you doing? You're hiding. You're not doing anything. And and that led us to the two year journey of looking for uh, a, a new place to live and looking for new opportunities. And that got me into the WordPress ecosystem. So this year. Um, I met with them and they did the same thing. Like, well, why aren't you running a really large company? Why aren't you doing like, how come you're not a, an exec at Verizon? Right. Which I'm like, <laughs> first of all, I don't know that that's the pinnacle of my, like, I'm not right, sure right. that's <laughs> my version of success, but point taken. Right. And so out of that conversation, um, out of the tail end of last year and, and thinking through, um, at what point do I wrap up the stuff of crowd favorite? And what point, um, do I say you know, thank you for the great opportunity, and I hope I've left this in a really good spot. But I am a product guy. I'm going to move off, so you guys keep doing your services. I don't wake up in the morning jazzed to do services. I wake up in the morning jazzed to think about products. And so it's been great to help my friend. It's been great to do this, but at some point it's time to move on. All of that swirling around, um, and the challenge in in the early spring here with with my buddies saying it's time for you to to do bigger. It's time for you to do better. It's time for you to do something serious and leave a mark. And I was like, yeah, okay, you're right. Um, so I circled back to Beyond Good and said, okay, part of the part of the trick, and, and you and I know this uh, so well, is you just got to hit publish, right? You just have to start. So I spent a lot of time thinking about the domain name. I spent a lot of time looking at a variety of domains. I bought the domain name a year and a half ago. I've had it. I've written up plans. I've scoped up design. I've done a lot of different work. And finally got to a place of saying, I'm going to do this. And then I sat down and I wrote three or four articles, uh, I think two or three of which have been published by now. Um, and I said, this is the tone and shape of the way I want to do it. I actually spun up a new Twitter account, which again, is it's, it's such a weird experience to start from zero, like zero page views, zero followers, just start anew. And when I went to build the website, um, I did what I tell my customers to do, which most of us never do, right? Um, we 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 all come up with this whole like you gotta you gotta do this big thing and you gotta spend all this money in design. You gotta build a beautiful site, and I'm like, no, 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 no. The value proposition of the website is the content, and so the value proposition requires three things: number one, a site; number two, <laughs> content; and number three a way to subscribe to an email list. Those are the three things it needs. So if you go, like if you looked on day one, there wasn't even an about page. There wasn't a contact page. It was just uh, articles, right? Like here it is, right? Um, so I used a Genesis theme and I said, look, I know Genesis. I also, I love Beaver Builder, but I know Genesis and 
I knew that Genesis had several child themes that would just work. Like I don't have to do a thing. So I loaded up one of the most recent ones. I think it's called Digital Pro. Loaded up. There was a little funkiness with some white space, so I made a, a tweak or two in CSS. But other than a tweak or two, I just replaced an image, dropped in the stuff, wrote the articles, added ConvertKit, and said, I'm done. Now, is there a million things more to do? What happens when I bring in OptinMonster? What happens when I bring in other forms? What happens when I do all sorts of – great. But that's not that's not what will drive it. Um you know, when I first started ChrisLama.com, uh, it took me months to get 100 page views, right? Months. And uh, and I when I got 100 page views, I called my wife into my office and I'm like, look, honey, I got up to – like it's it's going up and I got up to 100. She's like, it's okay. It will go back down, right? <laughs> like <laughs> she's, she's like, yeah, whatever, right? Yeah. I, don't, I don't really care. So on day one, um, mostly because I retweeted it, not from just Beyond Good but from, from uh, Chris Lama – on day one, I had, you know, I don't know, three, four, five hundred page views. And I was like, okay, but but I don't know if this will sustain it, right? On day one, I had zero Twitter followers. So I'm doing the thing that, again, I tell people to do. Spin up an account. Make sure you write up the, 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 the bio or the description. Make sure you add photos so that you look like a legit account. And then start following some of the people that you would like to listen to. Not so much that they'll follow you, but start following. Um, use a hashtag in the in the bio so that you can articulate what you're really about so that people can find you that way. And um, I think I have maybe now 50 followers, right? I, I guess. I, I don't know. But um, but it's still more than I'm following, right? Like I think I'm following 25 or 30 and I, I think I have 50 or 60 followers. And so the ratios are about right, which is nice. It's just starting. Soledad O'Brien, who I don't know personally, um, followed me yesterday and I did a happy dance, right? Like you remember that first <laughs> when someone famous follows a, a, your Twitter account and you're like, oh my God, they totally must want to hear me. They don't. Like it's, I don't know how they found it and they clicked it. Oh, it's leadership. Let's just click it and see what happens. Um, so I did the happy dance just because it happened. I didn't do the happy dance because I thought, okay, this is significant. Um, but I spent very little time on the website. And uh, right away when I posted it inside the Genesis group on Facebook, uh, one of the people said, do you have concerns that you didn't change the design at all? Like, I mean, you changed the photo or whatever, but you like that you I didn't. Saw that. I, I did see that. Right? I saw that. And I and I said, at some point, I'll have to write a long post about this. But the short answer is no, I don't care because the design is good enough. The schema markup is good enough. And what people are going to come to is the headline and the post content. And that's what I care about. And. A year from now, and this is what I did with Chris Summer, right? Um, I started the website. It looked one way. And then six to eight months in, I made a change. And then, you know, six or eight months later, I made another change and eventually got to what it is today. And people just forget that, you know, it's not about how pretty the design is. It's about how well the value is delivered. That's where I focus. So for me, Genesis was easy to start with. But you could do it with 2016. You could do it with anything, just whatever you know and get it up and running. Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny. It's, you know, it's no different than our conversation about, you know, do you pay for a plugin or do you go try to find these free things? And, you know, if like you and I, if you dip your toe into a large community of, uh, 
WordPress users on Facebook, let's say, and you, you post something in there and they go, oh my God, I would never pay for that, right? I, no, find a free solution. Like, no, this, you know, yeah. that's not always the right answer. Um, and much yeah. like, I, I, I forget where I saw your post of the announcement and I, and I saw some of those comments come through like, gee, you should have changed it from the default theme. It's like, do you think that people have such limited time anyway that they're, <laughs> they are there to read the content? They aren't there to go, gee, is this pixel off? And maybe if you use this other shade of blue, I would have maybe right. paid attention more to the words on the page. And, uh, and the truth doesn't the, exist. The truth. So I spun up a second site, um, which is called My Headphone Collection. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yep. Because I own, I own like 20 headphones and I'm always buying more. Um, I'll be honest on this show. This is just an easy – I'll have some affiliate links, but it's an easy way to write off my addiction to buying headphones, right? Like sure. as long as there's an outlay <laughs> of whatever, I can say, no, this is a business site and I spend money on headphones, so it's a cost of doing business. Um, so I built it more for that. But I also built it because I get a lot of questions, right? People send me a lot of you know, D, uh, Twitter DMs and even sometimes publicly on Twitter like, hey, what's the best headphones? And I'm like, well, yeah, I happen to know a decent amount about headphones, so here you go. So I spun up the site. The site, again – very like I'm not even using a child theme for Genesis. I'm using Genesis with a Ooh. a uh, um, and I wrote an article about it on Chrisma.com, right? Um, that just said if you add one of the plugins that lets you do uh, c- like creates an abstraction so that you can put your own CSS in, and you create something like you add a plugin called Code Snippets where you can add your own function codes. It like if you don't plan to make a ton of changes, that's enough, right? That's what's abstract. That's my version of a child theme, right? Um, and some people have read it and gone, no, you don't get, you don't understand what a child theme is. I'm like, you're right. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but other people have said, I thought you were crazy when I read the title, but when I read your article, yeah, it makes sense. I'm like, if you go to my headphone collection, which currently has one, today we'll publish another one, but it has one theme re- or one uh, headphone review. Over time, people aren't coming for the website. They're not coming to look at the site. They're coming to read a review. They googled something, they got a headphone, and they're like, let me read about this. That's it. It's the way I work at Wikipedia. I go to Wikipedia. I don't think about line spacing. I don't think about margins. I don't think about color. I don't think about anything other than like when they put the banner at the top to donate. And I think, okay, I probably should donate given how much I use this site. But other than that, I just read and then I leave. And that's the way most of my websites are. Like just read. Get what you need and move on. And so, uh, yeah, I've definitely – I've, I've done exactly what I tell my customers to do. Most of my customers are more like, well, no, I need, to, I need to go into a big formal launch. I need to go into a big website. And for some people, that really works. I find that the faster you get up and running, I have one more coming out, one more site. Um, <laughs> called, you need uh, a job. Get this man a job I, so he I, stops get this man a job. <laughs> I, I have one more site coming out that is a multi-author blog called cigarquestions.com. Oh, cool. And uh, some of my friends in the WordPress community and I are going to be writing answers to cigar questions, right? And again, it will be... A ridiculously simple site because it's the content that I care about. It's not. It's not the rest, right? So as long as the design doesn't get in the way, right? Design is supposed to help us, but it's also not supposed to get in the way. I think sometimes we create those beautiful home pages, and people are still like, "Well, how do I get to the meat of the substance of this site?" I just want to make that really available quickly. Yeah. Uh, your poor wife now, she's going to be looking at all these Google Analytics charts every time <laughs> on all these multiple sites now. Look, look, honey, look at this chart. Look at this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look. It's, look. Look. It's great stuff, Chris. Thanks for uh, taking the time today to chat with us about all the stuff you have going on and giving us some great advice for product and service. Um, one of the doors officially opening, uh, any kind of new information coming out for Beyond Good that we can all wait for or anything new in your life? 
So, so the site is up. The articles are up separate from the site and the audience that I'm building slowly at Beyond Good, which is all about leadership and management and coaching. I am, I, I know there are a lot of SaaS products out there in the coaching space from Jigsaw to Coach, uh, Coach Accountable to Coach Coaching Cloud. Um, there are a lot of different ones, but I am looking at building a, and this is the first time I've said it out loud, right? Uh, I'm looking at building a, a coaching platform, a coaching SaaS. I do a lot of coaching advising and you get to the point where you're like, hmm, maybe there's something here. So I'm just, I'm dipping into that a little bit. So that will be announced primarily on Beyond Good um, because it's an outshoot. It's a productized version of something that is an outshoot of all that leadership and, and coaching material. Um, so, so at some point that'll come out, but I, me and my, my buddy Seth are working on this and, uh, we've got a couple little pieces put together. We're not fully done. He's playing with some video stuff right now that, uh, I think will be really powerful. And, um, and then we'll see if we take this off, but at the same time, right. I, I want to be very clear with people. Um, while it is, while I'm looking at building a product, while I'm playing with this stuff and I'm writing on several different blogs and I'm, I'm getting stuff out there and I'm doing things, uh, I am also uh, consulting with some companies. I am talking about uh, different uh, possible roles. I find that, you know, and I wrote about this on chrisalman.com the other day, um, the best value that I contribute is when all of my value is being contributed, right? And that means if I'm building a product, a SaaS, or if I'm writing on a blog, I'm only using one part of what I, you know, what I do and what I know. And so sometimes you have to look at other bigger, larger businesses with larger visions to say, oh, if I step in here, I get to use all of my background. I get to use all of my skill sets. And that's where I contribute the most value. Um, so, you know, some people are like, oh, no, 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 you got to stay on your own. You got to stay independent. I'm like, I, I don't really feel the need to do that. I'm enjoying my independence right now and I'm enjoying what I get to spin up and do because of it. But I am also looking at some others and, and joining a company at some point wouldn't be a betrayal of the dynamics that I'm pursuing right now. It's just something that comes alongside it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think sometimes people, you know, <clears throat> the, 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 of course the freedom is great and sort of the be, be your own boss kind of thing is, is amazing. And, uh, or at least the ideas of that <laughs> are, are great. Um, and a lot of folks think that there is like, you know, performance or success is tied to this one little thing, right? Like it's like, you are only successful if this, uh, which is not the case. Um, and sometimes people, especially in our space, say, you know, don't work uh, for a company, do it on your own. And, you know, you have to, yeah, that's how we will label you successful. It's, you know, that's not the case. Being uh, on a team or uh, giving back to a team uh, is certainly the same, uh, in, at least in my eyes anyway. Yeah. Uh, amazing stuff, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Uh, I'm over at chrislemma.com, which is the primary one. Uh, of course, I've just spun up a new website called Beyond Good. If you're into leadership and, and mentoring, um, I have a new one called My Headphones Collection, if you like headphones. <laughs> and soon I'll have cigarquestions.com, if you have a question about cigars. So uh, I am not hiding online, is what I'm saying here. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks a lot, Chris. All right. Take care.